0: Listening to the broadcast basement on-demand radio network. It's the podcast. In the broadcast basement. BroadcastBasement. Anyway, welcome to episode 109 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why
1: don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob. It's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Ovakee, and as usual, I'm here with my co hosts Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest today studied film at Seton Hall and wrote and directed three independent films before creating an award-winning web series called Haywire. He is currently the video producer for convention company Comic-Con Revolution. Scott Klein, welcome back to Cinnamon. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be back. Very nice to have you back. haven't... Uh... Haven't seen your face in a while. It's been about uh, ooh, fifty episodes or so since you've been on. So, uh, well <laughs> also... I
2: look fifty episodes older? <laughs> I think we
0: all look fifty episodes older. <laughs> at least we feel fifty episodes
3: older. That's for that's, sure. that's for sure. <laughs> that ain't a lie. That ain't a lie.
0: <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's uh, we got a couple of uh, couple of real real movies to talk about today. So uh, let's uh, let's jump in and suffer from consumption. What have you seen lately?
2: What have I seen? I have been semi-binging the Netflix series, The Last Kingdom. Okay. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I have not. I have not. It is uh, It is basically a, a four seasons of the Viking invasion of Europe. Okay. And it deals with a, a guy that was born Saxon, was kidnapped by the Danes, and then brought raised up as a Dane and then brought back to Europe. And he of kind of has a, a crisis of allegiance uh, between the Saxons and the Danes. Um, I, I think it's really, really strong. It's really, really good okay. uh, to, to the point where I usually watch it in an episode in the morning while I treadmill, but I find myself watching episodes at night cause I don't want to wait till tomorrow to watch the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Vikings? I watched Vikings up until the main character met his demise. okay, and then I tried to keep watching it, and it just didn't hold me. Oh, okay um, well, I find- how far
0: how far into it is that? How many seasons in that's uh,
3: season five, I think oh, by the okay. time they they get to, it. but I mean their seasons are weird because they split their seasons in half.
0: Oh, they do the walking the Dead thing where they'll do like eight C eight episodes and then eight episodes or something. No,
3: they'll sometimes they'll do a whole like um ten episodes and then they'll and then you'll they'll have a hiatus and they'll do another ten episodes, but they will refer to that second ten episodes as and uh, the, the continuation as of season of five. That. Oh
2: okay. Yeah. Wow. I find I I find this as good if not better. Okay in terms of entertainment cool i actually look forward to watching this more than i did game of thrones um wow all right just because i find it to be focused a little bit more
0: that's uh, <laughs> so not, not quite so wide a spread
2: <laughs> well i liked game of thrones except everyone you know at least twice an episode i was like oh this fucking guy and i had to sit i had to sit through you know eight minutes of this person that i had zero interest in um <laughs> Uh, but this is, yeah, this one, this one's kind of got me. I don't know if you guys would like it, but, uh, yeah, I, I okay. really did. So I would recommend it.
0: It's funny. It was, you know, after Vikings came out, it seemed like all of a sudden flipping through Netflix recently out was, was like, there was like, there's like a half dozen like Viking shows that are on Netflix. that yeah. I didn't Like that I didn't even know
2: existed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Give it a watch. See, okay. Any movies or anything? Uh, any books? I did see, like I said, I did see army of the dead um the the thing that stuck out to me on that one is like I really thought Batista could hold down a leading role better than he did yep I just I didn't get that leading guy from him uh and I kind of thought that he would be able to do that and of course there's a lot of factors in that but in this particular film I don't think he pulled off the lead guy very well I agree okay
0: well, there's a lot of other people around. So, I mean, I, they probably didn't seem like he, he probably didn't think he had to shoulder the weight, you know, or or, so he, or so
2: he's clearly set up as the guy.
0: No, of course. But with, with with that big of a cast, it was probably like, you know, they didn't need they knew they weren't going to be focusing on him for 80 percent of the film. So they could, you know, he could he could, you know, shuffle off some of the weight across across right. six other people, you know, right.
2: But he doesn't he doesn't pop out like Robert Downey amongst stars in an Avengers movie. You know, and there's a bunch of guys in there. That's true. uh, But yeah, so that was my take on that. All right.
0: So I'm continuing on through NCIS. I'm halfway through season seven. Uh, We finished we finished uh, American Horror Story season five hotel. I like the way they wrapped it up. Uh, the, The last episode was a lot more fun than probably the two or three leading up to it. Um, just because it, it kind of, you know, put a little bow on everything, and uh, uh, there's still, like I said, I, I think that the subplots in season five are better than the main storyline through that season. Uh, still, you know, I think, I think, I think Lady Gaga did an admirable job for her first major acting uh, role, and uh, I thought she was, you know, uh, fun to watch, and she did a good job. It's just the story itself wasn't wasn't really that interesting. I watched that three-part uh, Sarah: A Murder in Cork uh, oh, yeah. series on Netflix. I actually did see that. I just didn't write that down. By the way, <laughs> uh, it was a little frustrating, you know, not just because they, you know, don't, you know, spoiler, don't know who did it, but I mean, the problem is, is I, I found myself, you know, there's a there's a a, a given bad guy in the story, and. I, by the third episode, I kind of found myself rooting for him. I'm like, or at least, at least, or there was enough of a devil's advocate position that you could just be like, well, well, they're kind of fucking railroading this guy. What the fuck? I mean, I, It's you know, why did they, why did they choose to go down this path in the first place? You know, I mean, they have no, there's no, there's no real evidence. So it's like, I don't understand why that decision was made, but I mean, you get a little bit of payback towards the end of it, but overall yes. I, that's a frustrating story.
3: That's kind of funny, because I I swear that guy did it.
0: Oh, that's 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 interesting. <laughs> I, I I still I was like, "Yep, there he is." I literally, from the first episode all the way through the third episode, just kept saying to myself, "What's the motive? What is the motive? What is the motive behind
3: this?" I would I would agree with you to that, but then there were some things that he said, and some things that he did, and some of his uh, some of his Pathology was on display, where it was like, yeah, I could see how he would just decide at one point that this person has, you know, disrespected him, or you know, is not paying him his due respect, or whatever, and that he would, you know, that it would be. And also, his like, in my opinion, his defenses, you know, were just kind of weak. Like, you know, well,
2: right, no but way, I, mean- I would
3: have. I wasn't even there. I even know it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you were there. Well, I wasn't there that long. You His know, so, was
2: no way. Was just- yeah,
3: it was pretty much like it wasn't that bad. It's not <laughs> it's defense not was it wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I was But you were there. We have you on camera doing it. No, that was some guy named Tim.
0: Nope, that was some other guy.
3: What's What's worse about it is just how, thing powerless the the Scottish police were. They were like, Argh.
0: the guy said he didn't do it. Well, you know, here's the thing What it comes down to is what it, and then that's the thing that drove me the craziest was in that third episode when they start when the French authorities get involved and the differences between the legal systems between uh, between the Irish legal system and the French legal system and their determinations on what constitutes evidence and how it's perceived by who makes the decision about guilt or innocence and when you get to the end of it and, and what happens happens, you're just like, what the fuck? Okay. So they took the path of least resistance in order to get what the outcome they wanted. So, so how is that a win for them? You know? And it's like, all you did was prove something in your own mind. I didn't feel like they'd proved anything. They didn't get any new evidence. It was all taken from the old evidence and they just assessed it differently because it was in a different country. Yeah, seriously. It's one of those. You got to watch And it, it's, I'd be really interested to see what you think, lay and, and Scott if you get a chance. Uh, if they don't
4: have, They don't catch who did it. Now. I really don't want to watch it. Oh, okay. It's just like that one, that other guy did last year, the murder on About
3: his mom.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Where he suspected, you know- I
0: suspected to this person. What? what i've been here for nine hours hours. what do you mean (laughs) you suspect
3: yeah
0: yeah it's one of that shit (laughs) i I will say it's nice that it was only three episodes so that was a nice thing of it It, it, they didn't they didn't pad it out with a lot of crap but yeah um and then so i decided to i said i wanted to make a little you know take a break in american horror story because we've got four more seasons to watch before the new season drops and not that i'm in any pressure to do that anyway but i just wanted to we we watched five straight seasons all the way through i wanted just to take a little break and unfortunately (laughs) as occasionally happens with deirdre and myself (laughs) we get sucked into some really bad reality television choices and uh we have gotten hooked watching a show called below deck which is basically follows (laughs) a crew of a charter yacht and a bunch of young 20 and 30 somethings uh being on a yacht that are really expensive charters and all the miscellaneous garbage drama that goes on no but (laughs) wow but i'll tell you you know and it's i don't really have an explanation for it but it's one of those (laughs) things where sometimes reality shows just hit you right and you just like you know like i've never been hit like that no, I understand, <laughs> never- and i and i'll well, I'll tell you, I used to really like watching Bridezillas when it was on okay because because those those women were fucking train wrecks, and it was it was kind of entertaining, you know I mean, and and you know, and the thing is is Deirdre used to watch with me and be like, why you know why do people watch this stuff? why do people you know like why do these shows so popular? I'm like, because people can watch them. And feel good about themselves because they're like, well, at least I don't act like this. Even That's if they, they do, e- even if they do, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> they because they don't do. think that they do.
2: If nothing but, else, reality shows are a master's class in how you can create something strictly through editing. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because they will, they will pull reactions that were clearly from another day, and yes. just throw them the hell in there
0: and just and, to, just to and experience. after it's funny you say that because after you've watched enough reality tv you you can start to spot that stuff you can oh, yeah. see where it's like this was from this is from earlier cuz yeah. it's like you know you just realize that like there there's something about it or like they're wearing a different outfit or something and you're like all right so this is yeah. done you know
2: a week ago <laughs> i love the i love the cutaway to the interview yes so yes. they cut away. You say something. We're in the same room. They cut away to me in my bedroom, all set with a backdrop going, what am I going to say to Steve now? He just asked me, Right. what did they pull you out of the conversation? Obviously,
3: obviously this took place already because, right. exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: because
3: the <laughs> over the weekend, I'll never forget the the ones we watched um, back in the day, Scott, we were like, this is, there's a fucking crane shot in this.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not
3: reality. If there's a crane. <laughs> you, were, if you set up a crane shot in the middle yeah. of the city for someone who got kicked off the island or kicked out of the hotel or whatever the hell show we were watching.
2: <laughs> I remember what it was. a girl we worked with came in. And she was talking about like the bachelor or something, which we had happened to see. And she was like, Can you believe that he surprised proposed to her? I'm like, surprise. He proposed <laughs> the camera boomed over a swimming pool. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you mean, surprised? She didn't see the crane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Jesus. And
3: we're awesome. not supposed to we're not supposed to realize that there is a camera crew in that room. You that's know, right. and like you know what? When you're being when you're watching something, you could forget about the camera crew. When you're filming something, you don't forget about oh, the no, camera no, crew. No, 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 there's no, no way you forget about I, the guy with the steady cam who's hovering over you while you're trying to watch Barney Miller if you, on your if sofa.
0: If you have ever watched <clears throat> or enjoyed any and i mean any reality tv whatsoever good bad and different doesn't matter if you if you get if you have the time or the interest i highly recommend watching the series unreal which was about a basically each series was behind the scenes of a, a bachelor style television show but it was more about like the executive producers and the showrunners and all that and all the production of making that show but the show itself was amazing absolutely great (laughs) great writing great actors um a lot of fun to watch much better than any show like that and it's funny because i it's it's surprising to me how many friends of mine do have some guilty pleasure that is reality tv like i have a close friend of mine who just i will watch every season of the bachelor and the bachelorette when they come on and i'm just like that's one i can't stomach but it's just like i i'm like i found this out and i was like really and he's like i can't help it because i just really like the show i like the way it's structured i'm like okay I'm like, i certainly have plenty wow. enough i mean plenty of crap that i watch that's you know awful but more power to you <laughs> yeah so so deuter and i went out to a uh to a bookstore for the first time in like uh a year and a half uh over the weekend and uh did a little bit what of- are books <laughs> right explain uh, and i we spent probably two hours at a barnes and noble um just filling up a basket with with stuff uh, her mother recently retired and so she was getting her making her like a gift basket of books but also we bought some stuff for ourselves because because you know you're there and i picked up uh i picked up and read uh i got when i came home i started reading it and i finished it the next day but uh <clears throat> a book by a guy named grady Hendricks. Has written a three or four horror uh, novels that are all done super stylistically. So this one is his first one and it was called Horror Store, uh, but written with like two dots over the last O in like store and then no E. Oh. So, so it's kind of like an IKEA product. And the book itself in its format, it's formatted to look just like an IKEA catalog and then the story takes place inside a store that rips off ikea called orsk and like it has all this like crazy stuff they talk about but it's a it's a it's a haunted house story basically built around this furniture store uh so it's kind of it was it was fun it was a a fun read it, you know knocked it out in a knocked it out in a day but it was uh it was fun and he's got a bunch of other ones that that follow that up that are all different all over the map as far as subject matter but um that was a lot I'm gonna I'm gonna track down the other ones because this one was a lot of fun so uh as far as movies go uh I watched uh I watched a movie from like nineteen eighty eighty or eighty one called Sphinx with Leslie Ann Down and Frank Langella about a woman in a woman Egyptologist I don't know if you remember this it was based on a Robin Cook novel uh way way too long uh j- way way too much of her screaming um like everything she every time she turned her head and saw anything out of the ordinary she screamed and i'm just like come on so like at an hour and a half in i'm just like for god's sake just either, either get killed or get to where you need to go already because you're fucking killing me um and then i watched so, so after after we had got done recording last week and after after latham had left uh hasan and i were discussing a he asked me if i had seen the trailer for a movie called gaia which i had mm-hmm. not and i jumped on and watched the trailer and i was immediately uh transfixed and uh and so i watched that and uh i it's it's you know it's it's really the trailer is really kind of sold as a i don't i don't know how to explain it the uh, the trailer is really sells it as like a mix between annihilation and earth power and just i i don't i i I, it it kind of sells itself as a horror movie the poster definitely does but i didn't feel like when i was watching it that i felt like it was that much of a horror movie i i there was there wasn't a lot of horror aspect to it there was some tension obviously and you know some tense scenes and stuff but um i liked it it was it was interesting uh, it's got an ending reminiscent of um, something we watched recently that I can't think of, but uh, I, I would recommend watching it if you're, if I mean, if you dig that kind of thing. I mean, why? Well, go watch the trailer and see what you think. Uh, it's 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 a cool little movie. Uh, it's South African uh, in, in its origin, so it's like half in English, half in Afrikaans. Uh, and the Afrikaans parts obviously are subtitled, but there's not a lot of it, so you don't have to do a lot of reading. But uh, it's got some cool just sort of like weirdness to it. It's got a lot of like hallucinogenic aspects and, you know, like um, like out of body experience kind of stuff like that kind of built into the story. It's 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 hard to explain. It's, it's a movie that's really tough to 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 really kind of nail down. But uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, watch Werewolves Within. Uh, we watched a, a whole little horror movie called Sensor, which just came out, which was about a woman who worked for the British censorship uh, during the time of, like, video nasties in in England. And uh, basically, she is, like, in charge of uh, her and and the people she works with. uh, Go watch these movies and make notes and tell them what they need to cut. They need to take, you know, five seconds out of this, four seconds out of this. uh, And then we'll give you an 18- we'll give you an 18 certificate or we'll give you a 15 mm-hmm. certificate, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so they get to a movie and uh, when she was younger, apparently there was a, 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 an event that happened in her life where her sister disappeared um, and obviously traumatized her greatly. And so she's watching these movies one day and she sees an actress in one of the movies who she thinks is her sister Uh, and she just becomes hyper focused on the fact. And so she then tries to basically track her down and find her uh, and everything just kind of goes from there. So um, that's, that's a horror film uh, without question, but, but uh, uh, again, uh, pretty interestingly done. Uh, Obviously it's, it's, it's done in a period of, you know, of that mid eighties. So everything's got kind of a little bit of an older feel to it, but it's, uh, it's nicely done. It's really nicely shot. Um, cool lighting effects and stuff just to get really to kind of uh, do a lot of the, the tone of it. It's, it's kind of cool. <clears throat> Watched a uh, pretty bad sci fi horror movie called Scintilla, which sometimes is known as the hybrid, uh, which was kind of a weird uh, We're going into this thing to again try and collect data on some secret operation, and it turns out that there's these uh kids that are the actual subject of this operation that are only five years old but they're fully grown adults but they're basically the 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 product of crossing uh dna that they discovered inside of a meteorite with humans and then created humans or beings out of them uh and then you know let's see what happens um and obviously, you know, things go awry, so. And uh, then I watched uh, three documentaries. I watched one called Garnet's Gold, which was about a, uh, a Scottish man who was out walking one day and fell on some rocks uh, by a lake out in the kind of kind of out in the wilderness. And he he had resigned himself to die because he was just, there was, you know, he was in a place where there wasn't anybody else. So there was not like anyone who was going to come looking for him and he was just remote kind of location. And, uh, this farmer kind of happened upon him, found him, saved his life. But while he was trapped in, or when, in the event of him being trapped, he, he found this staff and he took it with him when he left. And basically he discovered that there was this, secret cache of lost gold in this lake from and it, and it turns out and this is how they sell the documentary is this whole idea of lost gold that he then is going to go back 20 years later and try and find but it turns out that that's like a very small portion of the story they're trying to tell it was really a weird documentary and then i watched a, a really interesting documentary called the sunshine hotel uh, about one of the last flop houses in the bowery in new york city Um, where it was just interviewing like all these guys who live in these essentially four by six rooms but they're not rooms because they don't have a ceiling they just have chicken wire across the top so they basically rent this four by six box and they just live there for like eight or twelve or fifteen dollars a week and you know they just that that's their life you know and it's like And it focuses in like four or five guys and like they've been there, you know, how long they've been there, where they came from. And it's just it's a really it's a really interesting character study of just people. Um, And then I watched a movie I thought was going to be more interesting than it was called Jasper Mall, which is basically the day to day operations of a a dying mall in America in, in the south. And then I watched the two movies today for our show. So that was my week. It's a full week. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, we did movies over the weekend instead of uh, American Horror Story, so that was finally got some. Finally got some movies in. I've been wanting to see and that. That, like I said, that guy was a was a was a good choice. I mean, thanks for pointing that out to me because I had not heard of that. So, uh, so I guess we've suffered enough. So, all right, for Scott's partner film to Karate Kid, because I in no way would call this a guilty pleasure. Uh is Way of the Dragon a.k.a. Return of the Dragon
1: After Fist of Fury The Big Boss Enter the Dragon Now, the ultimate The Way of the Dragon Dragon whips his tail Starring Bruce Lee conquering evil in Rome and using all his fighting skills in this authentic martial arts adventure They will kill you Kill me? The Way of the Dragon with superstar Bruce Lee as Tang Long and co-starring some of the world's greatest fighters Chuck Norris, seven-times world karate champion, Robert Wall, the 1970 number 1 karate professional, Wong In Sik, Korean master of Hapkido, all in The Way of the Dragon. Bruce Lee's greatest achievement as star, director and scriptwriter, The Way of the Dragon. Action. Thrills. Excitement. Revived in the Coliseum in a very different way.
0: Bruce Lee, The Way of the Dragon. From 1972, directed by Bruce Lee with a running time of 99 minutes. A man comes to Rome to help out his uncle, who is having trouble with a local mob boss who wants the property his restaurant is on. However, the mob wasn't planning on a martial arts master showing up to clean out his men. Eventually, he brings in his own foreign champion to engage in a battle royale in the Coliseum to the death. Scott,
2: why'd you pick Way (laughs) Way of the Dragon? You are damn right he did. (laughs) I hit my Bruce Lee phase probably mid-80s, and... I had to tape them I had to VCR tape them off of you know whatever they were showing them on channel five or whatever so this to me was always Return of the Dragon right um, and then there was of course uh, what I knew as Fists of Fury which was the big boss and then there was Chinese Connection which was Fists of Fury just to confuse the living hell yes. out of- <laughs> So I, I knew these by their, by their American film names. And it's kind of funny because obviously return of the dragon named return of the dragon to cash in on Bruce's fame after enter the dragon. Right. And then you had Chinese connection to cash in on, on the French connection. Right. So there was, <laughs> they were just messing with titles, but anyway, so I taped the three Chinese, uh, hit three Hong Kong films and watched them way before I ever saw enter the dragon. Um, and Way of the Dragon, uh, Return of the Dragon, stuck with me most of all. Number one, it's because you know it had Chuck Norris in it. So that was just like, you got to be kidding me. Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. You know, I got it. Right. So I must have watched this thing until my VCR caught flames. And, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I knew it by all of the dub voices and everything that, you know. Uh, sure. The deep voices and all that stuff. And it just, it completely transfixed me because of just his sheer ability um, just watching those fight scenes over and over and over again and being in complete and utter awe of this guy's technique and speed just blew me away, especially you know, aspiring to be a martial artist myself. I was like, damn, uh, i have never <laughs> seen anything like it. And then you tie into that, just what I considered the film, me and my friends would watch and just laugh nonstop because it's pretty damn funny. Uh, there, there's some pretty funny things going on in this film. Um, and, and so it, we would just quote it and laugh at it. It was very quotable to us. And it just became part of our lexicon. It was comments we would make to each other, you know, like the Chinese spare rib comments or, you know, all that other stuff. It was just like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know the who can do karate better than Japanese? We would say that to each other (laughs) all all this time. Um, Speaking of which, if if you watch Bruce's movies, man, there is such a recurring theme of his utter hatred for what the Japanese did to the Chinese. Um, Right. It runs through Chinese Connection. It runs through this film. Any chance Bruce got? To put his foot in the face of a Japanese martial artist, he took it. Uh, Even at the end of this film, you know, you you have, of course, you have the European guy, martial artist, and you have the Japanese martial artist. And then you have to call America for cult, of course. But he beat the bejesus out of the Japanese guy. I mean, he beat up the, the European guy. But, man, he just totaled the Japanese yeah. guy, and then left him for the other two guys and said, Get, leave yeah, him if him give him up." gives <laughs> up. You know? So Bruce, Bruce was just always sticking it to them for, for what his perceived mistreatment of the Chinese by the Japanese. and, and uh, I didn't really understand that as a kid. There was a bunch of stuff in this movie that I didn't really understand. First of all, it was really confusing when you hear a dub movie And other people are talking English, and he doesn't understand them because you're like you just spoke English, right? right. How do you not know what he said? Or he's like, you tell them, you know, know, we are whatever, and then to be like, he said, come back, do not come back and cause any trouble. You know,
1: it's just why didn't
2: you just tell him, Bruce? You're right there, like I or when he when he picks up the phone and they say hello, and he's like four. Three he's trying to give the phone number. Yeah. You know what the hell the number is, goddammit. <laughs> so that was kind of funny to us because it wasn't really clear um what was going on there. So it, it was funny. It was the action was unbelievable. The end fight with Chuck Norris is just amazing. I love the fact that when Bruce finally got the directing reins, he knew to pull the camera back far enough so you could see what the hell he was doing. A lot of the other Bruce Lee movies, they didn't have the sense to pull back because when you bring the camera in close to him, he's just too damn fast. You just can't tell what he's doing. Bruce knew to pull the camera back and show you exactly what he was doing, which I always loved because I could rewind it and replay it and rewind it and replay it and slow it down um, and see exactly what he was doing. It was the best for seeing his actual technique and then, after decades of watching this film that I knew inside and out, uh, I was in Chinatown with Arlene, my girlfriend Arlene, and uh, went into a DVD store and found Way of the Dragon. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I came home and I'm like, God, I love this movie. I can't wait to see this with subtitles. And uh, Arlene sat there knowing that I had seen this movie a thousand times and was wondering why I was just going, what in the hell? Because certain things in that movie explained things that Return of the Dragon just didn't. Right. So I was able to rediscover this movie decades later. That's funny. Um, two of them was, okay, number one. If you recall, there's the scene uh, where he's finally gained favor to the girl. Um, what's her name? Chen Uh, And so now all of a sudden she likes him because... You know, he beat the living bejesus out of 17 guys. So now she likes him and uh, she brings him food and he eats the food. Now on return of the dragon, she brings him the food and he eats the food. And she says, what do you think? And he says, it's better in Hong Kong. And she goes, would you like some more? And He goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What? Yeah, right. That makes no sense. So I'm watching it for 30 years. I'm going, why would he do that? So I'm watching the dub version and she says, you know, would you like some more food? And he says, eh, it's better in Hong-, Hong Kong. She says, well, I made it myself. Right. At which point he's like, oh, shit. Sure, I'll have some more. <laughs> You're not going to get laid. <laughs> I'm completely... So I'm just like, now I get it. Um,
0: and now that's actually been fixed. In the the more modern dub versions, because that version is in the dubbed version that I saw. Okay. That dialogue with her saying, "Well, I made it myself," and he goes, "Oh," and then he, she's like, "Would you like some more?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah <laughs> well, what's so funny about that is like there was she had two plates of food there, and he was only half done with one plate, and she's like, "You want some more?" And he's like, "Oh yeah," and yeah. she <laughs> brings him a whole other plate. And I'm like, "How much is so he going to eat?" He's still <laughs> eating.
3: Yeah, you, can you know imagine- <laughs> You no know, man, you his that. size doesn't
0: eat that much.
3: You right, know, imagine
2: you... for 25 years, I was sitting there going, he's not fat. <laughs> yeah. How could he want that much food? Well, like, he probably burns a lot of calories. Um, and the other one was because of the aspect ratio of the Return of the Dragon that I saw. At the very end of the film, Bruce Lee waves, reluctantly waves goodbye to A-K-Yen, the the sidekick guy, yeah. before he leaves. Because of the aspect ratio... You can't see Aken wave back. Oh, okay. So when he waves to him, like, I'm leaving. And they just put this face of Aken, who looks angry if you don't see him wave back. Where he's actually said, you're like, what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what did you do to him? <laughs> so, so I'm watching this movie <laughs> that I just brought home from Chinatown. And, and Arlene hears me go, he's not a dick. He's not a dick. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he went back. So It's was, all good. Everyone's friends. I was <laughs> able to re-experience this film decades later, which was just so cool. Um, I realized that this is not a great film. The dialogue is, yikes. Um, the story is a little weird. The acting is not exactly first rate, um, but I found it funny, engaging, the rewatchability was through the roof just because of Bruce and uh, the climax of the film it, with that, that fight in the Coliseum is just fantastic. So it, it became my rewatchable thing. And I, to this, to even rewatching it now, I watched the way of the dragon when I got from Chinatown and uh, it's just, ugh, it's just, it's funny. Cause I don't even have to watch, read the subtitles. I know ex- absolutely every line. Right. <laughs> and
0: it's just, it's so. been uh it's been a, a little it's been a minute uh, since the last time I saw this. I've seen all of Bruce Lee's films before. Uh, it's been probably 20-25 years since I've seen this. Uh it's it's to me no less fun to watch now than it was when I saw it the first time. I, I like the Bruce Lee movies, the four of them. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a I'm a fan of the Kung Fu movie genre. I'm, I'm a big fan of that stuff. I love the Shaw Brothers stuff. So I mean these sort of, uh, I don't want to say Americanized Kung Fu movies that Bruce was, you know, a part of these four films, you know, they're, they're slightly less uh, Shaw Brothers-y than, oh, than, yeah. than, you know, they're slightly more Western yep. than a lot of the, the class, you know, especially yeah. on the early Shaw Brothers stuff, but even, even more of the modern stuff, you didn't start to get that kind of feel, you um, Until Jackie Chan started to make more modern uh, kung fu movies. And we started to see that kind of stuff over here. The the one part I got to say that I I laughed, literally laughed out loud in in this movie was during the alley fight with the guys with the nunchucks. Mm -hmm. And when the fat guy who keeps sending other guys in saying, go get him. Go get him.
3: You know, you finally, man, Jack guy, yeah, the exactly. Guy looks like Wolfman. Jack. <laughs> exactly.
0: And, and when he finally gets down to just him and he picks and I see him pick up, you know, I'd forgotten every detail about this movie had been so long. So I see him pick up the nunchucks and I just, I just bust out laughing because I'm like, he is going to try and use those and he's going to brain himself. And <laughs> yeah, going, and this is going to be this guy's downfall and fucking, Eight seconds later, like clockwork, it happens. You know, oh, and yeah. I'm just like I was just like the best setup and payoff of any small little piece of that fight was that sequence. And I'm like, I know it's coming, because
2: with, <laughs> with sound... I've
0: used nunchucks and failed miserably before.
2: <laughs> and with the sound, the sound of boom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's... you know, and that's arguably the the one i don't want to say drawback but the the sort of odd sound effecty kind of stuff they throw in some of the scenes is is some of the only parts of the movie that i i don't necessarily look at it as, a, as a drawback but i look at i look at it as you know i understand they're trying to throw a bit of a comedic element into it but mm-hmm. i don't i don't think they need to I think they're, you know, I think just selling the movie as a drama is fine. Yeah. Um, I, and again, it's not a second guessing thing. I'm fine with it. I'm perfectly happy with it. But it's just when those things would happen, I would always think that, like, you know, I don't know about that choice.
2: And the mute, yeah, the musical cues, the da, 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 yeah, well, da, da, right. da, 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 da. like that was always like his comedy cue. Yeah, and you the, watched the, you you watched the the subtitled one? Did you? Watch I it? actually watched the dubbed version. Okay. Uh, this is this was the
0: remastered and dubbed version. So, it had the full script that you're talking about. Okay. In the or it had the the dubbing in it with that di- with that dialogue with her talking about, "Well, I made okay. it," you know, that stuff. So, that that stuff was in it. And so, but this was a this might have been ripped from the Criterion DVD. Okay. It's a it's a Criterion. There's a Criterion version of this.
2: Do you rem- do you remember the scene where he's trying to guess what car she's driving? Yes. Right when you get to the... Yeah. And he's like, BMW? BMW Mustang Rolls. Right. What's interesting is... (laughs) this It's a a GTO. (laughs) When the one with the subtitles, when he says BMW, the subtitle says precious horse. (laughs) And when he says Mustang, it says wild horse. And when he says it's a Rolls, it says flying horse. So apparently that's what they somehow loosely translate to in China. Wow. Okay. That's really crazy. strange,
0: uh, Hassan. What do you what did you think of uh, Way of the Dragon? How did he get those nunchucks to customs? Because like he's just he just <laughs> he whips those bad boys he, out. He might huh? have picked them up while he was there. You know, no,
3: nah, you know, he don't you know. pick
0: nunchucks up in Italy. He's in. Well, <laughs> oh, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting it doesn't take place in Chinatown.
3: <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like where the hell? <laughs> nunchucks he, on every corner. I mean, just you know, like it's the it's the uh, anachronism. Of Hollywood that you could hide, <laughs> like you could conceal these amazing <laughs> weapons in your pants, even though he was sitting down moments ago, like he goes in the alleyway and those nunchucks. Now, everybody loves when the nunchucks come out, so you don't care. Right. But like, if you just if you give it two seconds, like, come on, man, where the hell did he get? The other thing is, like, how many men are you willing to lose to take over a restaurant? Like, if you send if you send 40 henchmen. Into a place, sure, all of them, and none of them all come of them back them. out. Yeah, like <laughs> you come. Like, is it really? Could, couldn't you just buy down the block? You know, like it's one of that's another one of those Hollywood things where, like, we just need to give the villain a purpose. You know, like we, even if the purpose makes no sense, even though it's, it's it's cost prohibitive for him to want what he wants by act three, where that's when he's gonna double down and send everything he's got at these people. Doesn't matter. I saw the movie a long time ago. I, I'm sure it was a it was the ripped to pieces version of it because and there certainly wasn't a scene where a, an Italian woman takes him home and then he runs away. That that yes. that was that was brand new. <laughs> yes. Like, holy shit! Where You're the hell like, did that scene what, what? come from? <laughs> I remember asking. I remember watching this in a, on my uh, my grandfather's my grandparents' uh, house, watching it on the floor. On their on their at the time giant sized twenty eight inch television, and uh, when Bruce Lee kills uh, Chuck Norris and he's walking away and he's all like depressed, I was like, "Why is he depressed? He just kicked that guy's ass!" And that was that was when my mother was like, "Yes, but he's got honor and he feels bad that he had to kill a, a martial artist of right. you know of of such caliber." And that was the that was kind of the first time I understood about honor among you know combatants and uh opponents and like because i was like yeah <laughs> also if you watch this film other than knowing that that's chuck norris pertaining to the film itself there is no indication that this guy is any better than all the other guys they just sent against bruce lee because he shows up at the at the training center with where, where the evil restaurant mogul is 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 building an army of martial arts experts and and you see like, oh shit that's Chuck Norris and you see the guy come out and he's got the sunglasses on but he doesn't they don't do the sort of what would now be obligatory where you show Chuck Norris kick that shit out of everybody every all of the other contenders
2: but he did before. he beat the hell out of the japanese guy yeah but it wasn't, it wasn't japanese yeah. <laughs> got to beat the hell out of the japanese guy <laughs> But it wasn't like it it wasn't
3: done to to a cinematic crescendo where you know that this guy is going to, you know, he kind of Chuck Norris kind of shows up sort sort of the same as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shows up. It's just like there's this
2: lanky, tall guy in the middle of a room in the game of death. (laughs) You missed the most important thing. When his very first shot, he walks off the plane and walks his crotch right into the camera. Yes,
3: like Latham did this evening. Yes, That's how you really? know that Latham is, is the, the, the biggest badass on the podcast. Has ever right sign of so dominance. It all comes around. Walk <laughs> your crotch right into the lens. Walk That's your crotch. You until, there you go. That's the guy. That's the guy's gonna do it. It's it's a fantastic film. It's you know it's very funny. It's got a lot of uh, comedic elements, and the, the martial arts is fantastic. I mean, like watching that back to back with the uh, Karate Kid. You know, I do understand. <laughs> With Steven and and, and uh, Latham were talking about the fight scenes in the Karate Kid. When you watch a Bruce Lee movie, you know it's like watching your two year old play basketball after watching, a, after watching uh, the Lakers for you know their their dream team. Uh, yeah it it's a it's a great movie. It's kind of crazy. the The uncle just turns into a psychopath at the end of the film for no reason. Um, like you gonna do this now? You're going to do this after the henchman has lost all his men? You know, like, what kind of a deal are you going to be able to make with this guy now? Um, there's some weird shit in the film, but it's a great film. It makes me want to watch all the rewatch all those films again. My uncle, years ago, took me to uh, to what was at the time a double feature of, uh, of Chinese Connection and Fist of Fury, even though we didn't realize that those, those uh, titles were reversed. And I didn't. I mostly didn't see any of it because I kept hiding my eyes because there was so much blood in it. <laughs> and now, and now to look at that fake blood <laughs> right now to think that that was actually grossing me out as a kid, kind of kind of makes me a little sad about myself. Yeah. But uh,
2: <laughs> and the cheesy gunshots. the <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Well, this entire film was shot without sound. They added, they, they foleyed and looped every single thing in this movie.
2: And that makes it intentional and worse. Yeah,
0: well- <laughs> <laughs> you know what you gotta do? You gotta
3: watch the dub version with the, uh, with the subtitles from the Chinese version. And you're like, that's not what she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time, that's not what he's saying. That's not what she's saying. You sons of bitches. You've been lying to us this whole time. I really it's it's kind of in the category of I you know when I'm not too too uh, amazed by the fight between he and uh, Chuck Norris only because by the time I saw that film I knew who Chuck Norris was every kid on the playground wanted to be Chuck Norris you know right. and the argument was it's you know Chuck Bruce Lee we kick Chuck Norris's ass so but that was that was pretty much the only one who could touch Chuck Norris so now we see this movie this movie comes out the game of death excuse me um uh, uh return of the dragon is gonna come on fox five at, at six o'clock tonight this is the one man this is the one where chuck norris fights uh bruce lee and so we you know we packed in we had the the jiffy pop popcorn the homemade stuff and we, we were ready for that and that fight was it was a good fight but it wasn't it wasn't the 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 spectacular spectacle that we had built up in our brains of how right. amazing that fight was going to be between those two characters. It's kind of like war watching Jet Lee
0: against Jason Statham. You're it, like, oh, come on, guys.
3: <laughs> it, would, it would have
0: had to have been the fight scene like at the end of, uh, you know, any which way you can with him and William Smith, where it goes on for like the last 25 minutes, the, the yeah. bare knuckle fist fight that goes on for like tw- the last 25 minutes of that movie. Or the fight in they live with Roddy Piper and yeah, he, like, he just right. goes
3: on like, oh my god, guys, come on, stop, right? But it was it's a great it's a great sequence. Chuck Norris wasn't Chuck Norris then, you know, um, that's that's that was very early in his uh. I, I think that's what launched him.
2: Yeah, well, Chuck was, uh, Chuck was nothing but a, a a tournament champion, which is why Bruce grabbed him because he was an American tournament champion, but not a movie but, star. Well, with a, well, a, Bruce, lot, with a Bruce... lot of
0: hair on his back.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's hairy guy. Um, uh,
0: <laughs> Bruce chose cast or cast Chuck Norris uh, because he felt that he was one of the few guys who was fast enough that could actually keep up with him and to actually take him on. Uh, and but Chuck Norris also very famously said that in a fair fight, head to head, he's like I couldn't take Bruce Lee. So but even
2: even those slow motion segments. You can tell that Chuck is just not fast enough. You can see him yeah, throwing those spinning kicks, and Bruce is already moving. Like he, hes just so damn fast. Yeah, that you can tell in those slow motion sequences. That as fast as Chuck Norris was with his techniques, it just wasn't close.
3: As a, as a slight sidebar, there's a the the Highlander TV series um, is actually all on uh, YouTube. And I, a couple of months ago, I went down the rabbit hole in that. And, the, and the, the caveat to that is that, you know, basically, Adrian Paul, who plays the Highlander, is a well-trained... Like, he trained week after week after week to do the show. He, so he's actually in a book of records as person, the person an actor who's done the most duels on camera in history because of that show. As a byproduct of that, every week he'd fight an actor who was kind of a day player that they gave him they gave him you know maybe a 45 minute <laughs> you know a boot camp of how to how to look like he knew how to use a sword so if you're really paying attention and you're no longer caught up in the in the majesty of the series you just watch Adrian Paul execute an actor every week and it just and it looks like an execution like it like this guy's got no chance this guy's got no, and that's kind of what watching chuck norris fight bruce lee like after after maybe the three minute mark chuck it was on the back foot for the rest of that fight and it was just it was like a it was like a slap fest it was so hard to watch because you know he's he's now chuck is trying to do these counter moves or whatever and now he's all sluggish because he's getting his butt kicked, and he's tired and he's slow and and seemingly bruce lee is getting stronger with
0: with every minute that yeah. goes by, it's just brutal to watch. It really is. I like, tell you, you the know. one the one difficult thing for me watching <clears throat> any Bruce Lee film, uh, honestly, is the fact that I can't watch one and not think about what we didn't get to see.
2: Oh, but absolutely! Basically what
0: it comes down to is like every time I see a fight scene with him, I just I get my head just starts wandering to wall to what could have been with him in movies. And it always just and it always ends up bumming me out when I start thinking about it. But uh, Latham
3: with Brandon Lee.
2: I know that uh,
0: I know I know that our our fourth here is not a a huge Kung Fu guy. So I'll be I'll be curious to see his take on on Way of the Dragon and whether or not he had actually seen this before.
4: No, never seen it. Never seen it. Have you have you seen any of the Bruce Lee films before? No. Okay. When they made uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. They had two directors. They had George Miller who directed all the action sequences, and they had George Ogilvy who directed the the acting sequences. Uh, that's what should have happened here. The first ten minutes of this movie was like watching a bad student film. Like I, I and I, you know, I get all the. I know there's massive fights coming. Okay, but it's excruciating to watch. So basically, basically you, you don't even need a plot here. You don't even need anything. Just let him put on an exposition of all he does. All the fight stuff is great, but that's not my cup of tea when I watch a film. And it's hard for me to watch this movie and to just wait for the next fight scene I didn't think it was that funny. I mean, at times a little bit, and I'm trying to put myself back in 1972 when it came out, but I mean, I just, I don't know. There's just, there are other movies made around that time that didn't have bad editing and bad uh, (laughs) dubbing and just ridiculously awful lines and screenplay. And I, I understand maybe that's part of the fun, but I don't understand why he's directing this movie. I mean, if you just want to say he's directing the fight sequences, okay, that's fine. It means basically the reason they exist, so that's okay. But it, yeah, th- this movie's just, you know, it's something. If you see it when you're young or at some point in your youth, you're gonna adore it, and you're gonna grow up to say this is a great fun movie that i used to saw that i saw when i was a kid but i i just i couldn't connect with it at any point i mean he's a he's an amazing martial artist and it sucks that he died so early but um you know he's i think it just for me it gets similar to like why i didn't pursue the karate kid when it first came out i just don't find martial arts that interesting or amazing uh, watching okay. it, if I watch it a little bit, it's cool, but I don't need to see it 20 times. I certainly don't need to see it in multiple movies. It just doesn't do it for me. So I guess, I guess I'm guess i biased against it, is what you would say, or what I would say.
2: So. Yeah, he, he, he directed it because of the power he gained in Hong Kong. That's the only reason.
0: Right. This he, was the first time also, because he was a co-producer with Raymond Chow, and Raymond Chow was like the guy for filmmaking in 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 Hong Kong at the sure. time and this this film allowed Bruce as director and co-producer to be on the same level as essentially the the most powerful guy in Hong Kong filmmaking yeah and it was it was a huge step for him professionally i understand <laughs> that i just don't think he was ready for that step and yeah.
4: They should sure have enough. put in someone else to direct it. There's all kinds of martial arts films from that time, right? So sure. get, get a good director in there with shot placement and stuff like that. I mean, obviously the fight scenes are all fairly, you know, pretty decent. But, I mean, you, you're just putting on an exi- exhibition. You might as well just film that. I mean, you don't the plot is irrelevant and I, I didn't, I really didn't like <laughs> it. So... I, I didn't fair, did not like. I, I didn't dislike the film. I'm saying that part of it I didn't didn't like. I, you know, it's it's not my cup of tea. It's it's a, it has its charm. I don't know. I'll, uh,
2: I that's hope so. why, I, that's why. I would have called it a, a a guilty pleasure. Right.
0: I see it as a guilty pleasure. Actually, more so. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I I would actually be interested in seeing because I think that it's a more coherent uh Bruce Lee film is Enter the Dragon as far as story just and sort of straightforward real movie making. That's what I, uh, of, and I, yeah. I would be and I would be I'd be interested in, in seeing your and again I know you're not a big fan of, of kung fu movies, but I'd be interested in seeing your take on on that. I have a feeling you'd probably feel better about it, but still at the end of the day, may not really, you know, float your boat. And that's fine. I mean for, uh, I mean
4: for me, a superior martial arts film is Jim uh, Kata, uh, which which incorporated gymnastics uh, into oh, the martial arts, and uh, y- y- real creative uh, story choices like a stone pommel horse in the forest. That was awesome. Uh, I'm completely full of <laughs> shit right now. In case you haven't figured it out, completely. <laughs> yes. yes. okay. Oh, I can tell because
3: you're really close to the microphone.
2: The Will Welsh um, pommel horse in that movie was fantastic. <laughs> oh, looky <laughs> what we have here.
3: Later, you like <laughs> we just came across.
0: <laughs> but now you've like you like, I, I like like. Have you seen House of Flying Daggers?
4: No, I, I love Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's
0: probably. But that movie's like watching a piece of art. So, right. But have you seen House of Flying Daggers or Hero? No. Okay. All right. martial arts
4: movie comes out. I never track to it. I okay. Just don't. I just okay. don't find
0: it that the yeah. I, I have a feeling that there's a lot of modern period piece martial arts films that you'd probably actually enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I think you did. I because think you like would...
3: Kiss of the Dragon, where he beats the shit out of those two twins uh where jet <laughs> oh, lee
0: oh destroys <laughs>
3: those two
4: twins jet, oh uh, that... jet
0: lee was the first guy i saw kung fu guy i saw <laughs> who for me watching was one of those guys who moved so fast uh that that was the first guy i saw since, since i watched bruce lee who was like who moved that quickly yeah that in his that one sequence in lethal weapon four where he reaches out and he he disactivates and takes the slide off the top of uh, uh, Mel Gibson's Beretta. Yeah, you know because he's standing in front of him, he just reaches out and dismantles the gun. And Briggs is like, "What the fuck just happened?" looks <laughs> yeah. like his gun just exploded. <laughs> and I just thought that was one of the greatest like showcases of how fast Jet Li moves. No, it's crazy. There's and, a there's and watching a... his Hong Kong movies are even better.
3: There's a moment at the beginning of um, of Unleashed, which is n- it's not a great movie. Um, it's not, not a great plot to a movie, but it's a. There's a lot of good stuff in it, and Morgan sure. Freeman for some for no reason. Um, and I swear to God, he killed that stunt the stunt guy in the very beginning, like the first like five minutes of the film. I was like, that guy's dead. He just, that covered- guy's dead.
2: It's, <laughs> it's like the motorcycle up.
0: stunt in the original Mad Max. You're like, that guy, yeah,
2: dead. that guy's dead Um, that's the reason i don't like enter the dragon though because what's that enter the 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 cinematography in enter the dragon is such that i can't tell what the hell he's doing right you're going to shoot bruce lee in a medium shot while he's beating up 17 guys right Right. all i see is arms and elbows i right that doesn't work okay Um, i agree with you fair argument
0: and I, I agree with you. I think that the 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 pullbacks of the, the fight sequences in Way of the Dragon are much a much, much better choice because you really get a feel for what's going on, like you said. You get to see not only his whole body moving, but you get to see how it moves in space as well. Yeah. His
2: footwork, the yes. whole feel. And to Latham's point, that's where Bruce Lee was clearly comfortable as a filmmaker yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
4: it's obvious those you don't question any of the fight scenes in this movie you don't question that scene the editing
2: that scene where he kicks that guy holding the shield into those boxes
3: <laughs> yeah i mean
4: mother of
2: christ yeah. Yeah. and
3: yeah. that was that was his guy
2: this is how much God. power
0: i'm putting into this
2: and you know he really did it and it oh
0: and bruce yeah. lee weighed all of what a buck 20 Soaking wet. And he,
2: I think he was 145 pounds. I changed. Jesus
0: Christ,
3: uh, it's all, a lot of that's all. That's what makes that scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so hard to watch. I don't know why that happened. I yeah. I know there's a lot of controversy uh, behind it,
0: but Quentin Tarantino's like, got some bug up his ass. But abruptly, that's a fictional I,
4: scene. It doesn't matter. The whole movie, I know, but it's right. That
3: movie didn't really happen either. He's just that's. I know, hilarious. but I'm just saying it's <laughs> like it's like kind of taking a shot at someone who can't take a shot back. You know, well, then, no,
4: then there, you, there's you disregard it. It's it's a yeah.
0: It's just I don't I don't give a fuck. I know.
4: I, I, Tarantino's
0: I Tarantino's on record as as being for whatever reason uh, douche. <laughs> well, it's just he's he's got some bug up his ass about Bruce Lee. I mean, it's it's clear that he's got yeah. something up his ass about about Bruce Lee, and he will not. And he's like, it's one of those things where it's like, even if you do, just fucking who cares? Let it go. I mean. Bruce Lee is, a, I mean, for the most, for, for all intents and purposes, Bruce Lee is a fairly beloved character in our pop culture. And for you to be the guy in the position you're in and to be a guy that most people consider to be, you know, not Latham so much, but most people consider to be a pretty solid filmmaker and to have him be the, this voice out there, who's constantly denigrating uh, uh, a for lack of a better term a hero of of pop culture all the time is just just what's your point it you know seems, why it just
3: seems rude you yeah know? like seems,
0: you to, the... well, like
2: he said it's pointless it's like yeah. he, he's not going to respond no. bruce, so i mean <laughs> bruce lee's daughter has and tarantino keeps firing back i know i know Know, it's, just, it's, it's all irrelevant.
0: It, it seems silly. A fictional movie. It's a
4: fictional movie. It was
3: wrong for his daughter to say anything. I don't mean. I don't mean that she. Sh- she shouldn't have. It's just. Yeah. It's just. It's just pointless. You place. know. It's he not she, her. What she said wasn't wrong, but it was just. It's just pointless to pick a fight. Right
0: now, now factions and fucking Ooh, tribes and stuff go. like that, and it's all you, you know. You yeah. it's the whole battle of wits with an unarmed opponent thing. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, I would I would say Quentin has some faculties. Some. Um so uh well that and you know the other thing I found interesting about this movie the final shot of this film with Bruce walking away kind of away up that little that little rise and I'm like where is he going? Well, not only that, but when you listen to the music coupled with him walking away and the little comment, the last comment about him being a man on his path where he made a Wherever long Lung
2: go, he shall always walk alone. Yes, and I'm like <laughs> what the, I'm what the fuck? like, did they <laughs> just steal this from Sergio Leone?
0: I'm like, what the fuck is with this fucking
3: final Leone shot at the end of the Not movie? only that, didn't he just say he was going home?
2: Yeah.
3: We talking about to go home.
2: He's gonna walk from Rome. To China. <laughs> yeah. To China. Yeah. All right. It just
0: it turned into kung fu. The and TV why? Series, so.
3: Why is a black man in Italy <laughs> st- talking with a ghetto, an American ghetto patois? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh come on, like What's a Chinese <laughs> Arabs? like how you, on, like there's no, I should have been safe in this movie from being insulted like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and of course, when, he, when he's Chinese fight, guys have, and Italian guys, when he's going to fight, you have to. You got You know, you got to put the music in there too. You got to
3: have the jazz music yeah. while you play. Right. But you can't be mad at that because I mean, how many times do you hear the uh, the the Chinese harp every time any Asian person has ever been in any movie in American cinema? Like, or, a gong. Gong. <laughs> or you get the
0: gong. The, the yeah. <laughs> but I mean, was and the, the, and the quick right.
2: and the quick rack zoom. It's like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's always bothered me too the the, the the part where they're doing the zoom in and out at the end with the fight with chuck yeah yeah so the, damn things, the damn things on a tripod how about you pull in first so that you get him in frame pull it back and then roll camera like why why you gotta why you gotta go all oh, right we're in frame wide and now we have an eye and we're in frame wide now we have a tooth and
3: why oh, nice. you got a nitpick? Why you got a nitpick? It's trying, to, it's trying to sell the intensity of the
0: moment. You see? You see? You see? You Everybody's see? a cinematographer. <laughs> Just watching
2: it going, and a miss. And a miss. <laughs> and a
0: miss. <laughs> Apparently, Bruce's uh, uh, choreographed instructions for the scene, for his fight scene with Chuck Norris, took up a quarter of the script. <laughs> he wrote every he wrote every he wrote every movement down he's said been 45 hours on the fight scene with chuck norris wow <laughs> jesus christ yeah chuck oh, norris God. is like what
3: the fuck have i gotten myself into <laughs> hey, he, well you know what there
0: were no questions and that the, well i found a note too somewhere when i was looking into this that during that fight scene uh in order to make it seem as real as possible that a lot of the the sequences were shot with contact with him and with him and him and Chuck making contact with each other. Yeah.
3: Just so you can, there are are moments you can genuinely see anguish on Chuck's face. um, (laughs) As a, as a, I don't know if he, I don't know if that's in in conjunction with him actually getting hit, but I actually, I actually bought that. He was, he was losing and he was very dismayed by the fact that he was losing. He wasn't acting like like a like a guy who's losing. He he was like, I'm, "How am I not winning? You know, I'm the guy with the glasses on. I had the crotch. I had the crotch. I, shot I had earlier. the cam. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, uh, <laughs> One of only two happening? films. This is one of only two films that Chuck Norris has made where he's the bad guy. Okay. And the other one is called Slaughter in San Francisco, which apparently Bruce turned down being <laughs> the cop. In that movie to hunt down the crime boss, which was Chuck Norris, uh, in order to direct this film. Interesting. Wow.
2: Yeah. Chuck only has one line in this movie.
0: Yeah, really.
2: His line is Bob's my student. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> that's <it>. that's, <laughs> that's all he said. Talk about Lakata <laughs> Easiest <laughs> easiest
3: money that guy's ever made. He, right? he might
2: he might have got out at some point, he might have got out an owl.
0: Yeah. Or of I some mean. kind of grunt.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Bob, Bob's my student is the only thing he said.
3: What what also bugged me, and it, of of course, there's nothing they could have done about it. I I understand this before I say it, but it's like, well, hold on. How can you be in Rome and not be at the actual Colosseum? You're gonna go to Rome and film all that coverage, and then you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do the the fight scene. Uh, a against, lot of the fight scene. It was on against a set. the law
0: to film at the Coliseum.
3: I get it, but it's like, come on. and then and then not, not only that, if you're gonna have to build a set to fake being in the Coliseum, right? Be in the arena. <laughs> why are you in the Why are you in the service hallways? Hallway? That's the equivalent of going to Madison Square Garden and being stuck in a little alcove going towards the bathroom. That's yes. where you film your fight scenes.
0: It's a like, lot cheaper.
2: I uh, <laughs> then don't do it. <laughs> Didn't they? Didn't they shoot the shot of Chuck standing in the archway from a distance? Yes. Yeah. They, the the that scenes was they it.
0: did actually shoot at the Coliseum were done guerrilla style. The assistant director has said in interviews since that they they shot all that stuff like they ran in, they set up, they shot what they needed to, whatever they could, and left.
2: Wow! No permit.
0: No, you can't get. They should. They should have just fought
3: outside. Then you would have seen the Coliseum in the backdrop. <laughs> Instead of being in the hallway, I'm
2: like, what are you doing in the hallway of the Colosseum for?
0: As they're it's ducking the large, you it, know.
2: It, it might have yeah. ruined it if they were ducking traffic as they're yeah.
0: yeah. playing, playing Frogger. <laughs> you don't I refuse to believe up, in ancient Rome Russia there was a street
3: that pulled right up to the, to the Colosseum <laughs> like there is now. I refuse to, to believe there was a traffic circle in, in front of the Colosseum in ancient Rome. I just, I just don't buy that. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: oh my god i just read part of the music in this film is actually from the ennio morricone score for once upon a time in the west Funny. (laughs) makes sense used for chuck norris is taken from that film's track as a judgment aka the grand massacre and the transgression was used in many of the suspense scenes including when bruce lee explores the coliseum to face chuck norris's character additionally an excerpt an excerpt of a track from John Barry's score for *Diamonds Are Forever*, "Death at the White House," was used in the scene where Uncle Wang, showing his true colors, stabs Tony and Jimmy. They just wow. stole from everything. Yeah. <laughs> you care. notice that half the half the
3: half his his uh, crack staff of waiters disappeared by that scene. Like he only kills two of them, but there's, yeah, the,
2: the rest there's still. Thomas and uh, Arjun, yeah, they're they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah they weren't. Like they didn't come along for guys. the meeting. There was only well,
0: they all get fit two more in the car to come out there with him, so they couldn't bring all five <laughs> <laughs> or another car. Apparently,
2: <laughs> yes. You're <laughs> to give me your I mean, restaurant
0: or I'm going to
2: kill you. Another <laughs> thing that 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 is of interest is at the end of the film, did he really help? No, he he. Helped,
3: but he it but his form of help just made everything worse and then the made it
2: dead people.
3: The rest drove his uncle time. crazy and made his uncle into a villain all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Who, who
0: well, that's that's actually called him I didn't under, and that's the only thing I didn't understand. So <clears throat> is there at some other point during the movie that I missed that they sort of allude to the to the uncle turning sides before he stabs those two guys? Or is that basically where you see that he is, you know, and if he was behind this the whole time, why wasn't it ever shown with him kind of being the whispery voice in the girl's ear to, you know, hey, maybe you should sell the restaurant? You know, I get the impression he that was consider. a
3: split decision that he made just then. I think the, the, the restaurateur pulled him aside and offered him a, cra- a crap load of money, mm. and he just said, Look, I, you know, I'm on my last legs here. You know, if I if the only way I could keep my restaurant open is to train my waiters to be ninjas in this town, then maybe but, I should sell. You know, I don't know.
2: I think it's the just, only the only foreshadowing is when Bruce first shows up and sees him and he kind of he kind of stares off into the distance and when he's talking about Hong Kong and he says it's been years since I was there. That's about it he shows longing, but not not stab my waiter longing.
0: <laughs> right, right. I thought that that was a pretty big leap at the time. I was just like, "Wait a second, what? How did this guy turn out to be a bad guy all of a yeah, sudden?" The plot, the plot I, is the plot is thin. I did like when Bruce comes running up and he like looks at him and he looks at the other guy starting to run away and he grabs a knife and he cuts his arm and he's like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> <No>, he, <laughs> yeah. like, I can't believe what see, this guy is awful,
2: <laughs> ridiculous."
0: Yeah. But uh fun to watch regardless. I, oh, I yeah. any any opportunity to watch a Bruce Lee movie, I'm I'm definitely down with because like you said, he is he is absolutely just fun to watch work. Uh and that is Way of the Dragon. And the best Bruce Lee
2: film, Scott? Wow. Uh best or favorite. I oh, I, interesting. Wait, wait, Way of the dragon and Chinese connection are my two favorites. Um, out of what?
4: 4? Yeah. Okay. I mean.
2: Yeah, wow. out of you would you would have the big boss, you would have enter the dragon and then you can't really count game of death because it it's yeah, 20 it's not. minutes of actual him. Right. The hell of a 20 minutes, but um
0: hard without. to watch.
3: It's really hard to watch.
2: Yeah, I would I would say way of the dragon slash return of the dragon uh between that and chinese connection slash fist of fury right i up. wish they had one name each but they don't <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: I wish it were simpler but it's not, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but, well all right then uh well listen thanks for uh thanks for hanging out with us again
2: absolutely man it, it was a pleasure uh always a good time with you guys i hope i uh, I wanted to keep in the theme, so I figured I'd, I'd pick two martial arts movies. Sorry, like yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I like that. that's cool. I mean, but um, you like, glad, you're the guest; you can pick
4: whatever movies you like.
2: I'm glad that that you guys got to see some stuff you've never seen before. Uh, that's always cool. And uh, yes,
0: I agree. That's uh, that for me is uh, one of my you know it's it, one of the things I really like about doing the show is the fact that I get guests who pick movies, and uh, you know it's not up to us uh to pick them so it's you know when they pick something you either don't want to watch or you have some sort of weird and antithesis of of watching it or or something in your head where it's like oh, I just- I don't want to watch this i just don't want to... you get to the last day and you're like all right i gotta fucking watch this movie and you sit down to watch and he's like what was i th- why was i why was i not looking forward to watching I was i like fighting this yeah no, why, what did i think this was you know Absolutely. That's, honestly more often than not that's how it turns out is I, I was just so like... what
3: happens to me every time walt suggests a movie i'm like <laughs> come on walt pick a movie from the freaking 70s at least <laughs> everything is 1953 and then you you're in for like two minutes yeah it's like, god if god we god. have shaken on
0: again it'll be you know <laughs> yeah. two more two more films from the late 30s <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: it's like, stop it but then you watch it you're like no this is good yeah, god damn it it's nice
0: because they're only like 75 minutes long yes that that helps <laughs>
2: exactly that was nice a pleasure thing. man that's great i love i love talking about uh about films with you guys it's a ton of fun
0: awesome great uh so thanks to Fesley Music. Uh please check out our website at sentimentalpod for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download, subscribe to Centimental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at Centimental For a on Godwin, Lathan Conger the third, Scott Klein and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and man who kicked Chuck Norris's ass, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Out.